You are listening to the Aesthetic Vibes podcast and I am your host Amy. This is the podcast where we talk about relevant and totally irrelevant topics. The idea here is to spread aesthetic vibes. You're here now, so why don't you hang out and we'll talk some shit. Hello and welcome to today's episode here on Aesthetic Vibes Podcast. I am your host, Amy Lee. Welcome. Hope you're well. Hope things are good. (laughs) I have had a really busy week. It's kind of hard keeping up with all of this content creation. So I've had to employ my husband (laughs) and I'm paying him exactly zero dollars for his assistance (laughs) with getting all this content pushed out. So I'm referring to, I have a secondary podcast with one of my closest friends called the Yeah Nah Maybe podcast, and we just generally talk about different topics, uh, just shooting the shit, which is a term we use here on Aesthetic Vibes. But I also have Mastering the Academic Life, which is a space of not only masterclasses, but podcasts where I want to share all of the information I have from my long academic career. And it might be that a lot of educators don't share this stuff and that might be because they don't know it or they don't want to share it. So this is a space for students or um, anybody thinking of studying to kind of drop in and get a good feel for everything. So all of that combined there's an awful lot of content. However, that does not take away from the fact today that we have an episode. I am sipping away on my coffee. You will not see it because I'm going to edit it all out but (laughs) I am in desperate need of coffee. So today's episode is a part two. Going back into season one in episode 28, I did a piece on children killers or teenage killers, if you like. I started thinking about this topic again the other day. So I decided I would do a part two in this series outlining three additional children killers or teenage killers that have been on my mind. All right, so without further ado, let's do this. I am still perplexed by children or teenagers who kill. I almost feel like, I don't know if it's worse than adult killers. I don't know, or whether it's comparative. I just feel like a lot of the motives of these children who have killed are things like I just wanted to know what it felt like to kill. It's almost like they think it's temporary. They know that death is permanent but for some reason it seems to be like an activity for them that feels you know like I'm playing a video game and I've just shot someone. It just it just doesn't make logical sense to me. It's like children making very young teenagers making decisions on things that they really don't know what they're talking about or what the terminology means. And we've got a few people in our lives with, um, you know, children making decisions and they don't actually understand what they're signing up for. So this kind of falls into that same category for me. But today I want to talk about three of these monsters who have been on my mind. 
I think I spoke about five last time and I did a very brief overview of them, but I thought I'd just cut it down to three. Three is a nice number. And let's talk a little bit about these children killers. I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of why they do what they do. I don't think we'll ever understand it. I don't even know if they understand it. I think they think it's temporary. It's a mistake. Oh, well, we'll move on with life, not knowing that they've actually taken someone's life. And, you know, it opens up the question. An eye for an eye, right? Anyway, let's start with Eric Smith. Eric is your stereotypical kid that gets bullied at school. He's kind of short when he did this killing. He had, like, bright red hair. He wore glasses. I think from the research that I've done, he's a little bit of an outsider. So he is riding his bike. And, sorry, you'll see me looking all around today. I've got camera issues and I've also got comprehensive facts and figures I have to do, that I have to actually speak to. So if you're watching, bear with me. Uh, most people listen, so you guys will be fine. You won't know. But if you're watching, just bear with me. So anyway, as I was saying, Eric Smith, um, he is riding his bike through a local park. And he bumps into this four-year-old, Derek Robbie, who was walking alone. And I believe this is Derek, Derek's very first time walking anywhere alone and he'd kind of begged his mother to go off and and walk independently his mother had said yes you know gave him a kiss goodbye and off he goes i think the thing to preface here is this is back in you know the 90s this is not today you would not let a four-year-old go anywhere by themselves today we have become more aware and life is very different now anyway so Eric lures the the little boy into a wooded area and he strangles him and he drops two large rocks, like brick type things, on his head and he sodomizes the boy with a tree branch. So Derek's mother realizes he's not home and so she goes to check the park. He didn't arrive at the park either. So they send out some searches and they're like well we've got to find this little four-year-old has he just wandered off is he somewhere random let's start searching a few hours later the searchers actually find Derek's body a few yards away from the park in the woods it was unknown at that point who had actually done this to this little boy he's obviously deceased and people were thinking shit is there a child killer in our neighborhood who is going to pluck our children and also kill them in the days that actually followed a family friend of eric's um, and the smiths actually became a bit concerned with eric's behavior and basically the night that the murder had actually occurred eric asked a family friend what would happen if the killer of derek turned out to be a child and she she kind of at the time was a little bit like what what's the basis of this question and so then she turns around and says you know i think that they would need some serious psychological help and then he goes oh okay okay and at that point things started to kind of come together the family friend remembers actually eric went to the same park around the same time and then for her things in her mind started clicking and she was like holy shit has he been involved in this and at that point the family friend spoke to 
uh, Eric's mum and said, look, I think we've got a problem on our hands here. And uh, at that point, Eric admits it. He, he's taken down to the police station, meets with investigators um, and starts to tell them about what he did. When Eric was talking about the murder, he made a comment to the effect of, I really enjoyed it. I totally enjoyed it. And I didn't want it to end. Could you imagine hearing that out of a 13-year-old's mouth? Sorry, for those watching me, I've got something in my eye. I actually look like I'm continuously winking at the camera. I'm not. I'm not sus, I promise. But could, could you imagine that coming out of a 13-year-old's mouth? I enjoyed what I did. And I didn't want it to end. Yuck. So in August of 1994, and at this point Eric was now 14, and he was actually tried as an adult rightfully so in my opinion and he was sentenced to nine years to life in prison he was held in the juvenile detention center and then he was transferred to a prison for adults after he turned 21 almost nine years after the crime eric had his first parole hearing and his parole was denied he repeatedly applied for parole every two years for nearly two decades and it was this you know for the Robbie family this reoccurring nightmare of what if this kid now adult gets out what could he possibly be capable of if he was capable of that as a child that despicable act what might he be capable of as an adult so Eric claims that you know years of therapy he's now a changed man you know, he said, you can label me as a monster, a cold-blooded killer, a demon child, Satan incarnate. It doesn't mean that's who I actually am. He believed that he would be released someday. And he said, I want you to know that I want to go get married and raise a family, you know, hold down a job, which I find absolutely disgusting because Derek will never get to do any of that. So why should you be given that choice or chance? But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, the family went through this reoccurring nightmare every two years, begging the courts not to let this kid out. However, at the age of 41, Eric now is heard for the 11th time and he talks about his future plans and he talks about the fact that he even has a fiance and she'd written to him with some questions about juvenile justice and the juvenile justice system and she was studying to be a lawyer and then they fell in love and got engaged <laughs> i don't know how that works i don't know <laughs> i honestly have no idea seems a little bit crazy nonetheless in this 11th appeal eric says i'm not a threat the 13-year-old boy that took Derek's life is not the man standing in front of you today. If you were to give me the chance, I would not only prove that I'm not a threat, but I would definitely be an asset to society. The board decided to give Eric that chance. After the news broke that Eric would be released, the families affected in the local area and the community that he was in actually did a peaceful protest and they wanted to make it clear that Eric was not welcome back to that hometown. So where is he now in 2023? It's a good question. What is he doing? Also another good question. Is he married? Don't know. Um, I understand he was, you know, 13, 14 at the time when he was tried and he's now 41. That's a very long time. 
but you ask yourself, the family has been given basically a death sentence for their entire lives. They have to deal with the fact that their child has been murdered. He is now able to put that behind him. I don't know how plausible it is for someone like that to actually get a job and function in society unless, you know, they're entered into, like, witness protection or something. Like, I I don't know, but that's Eric Smith. The next one was one I'd never heard about before, but... Sorry, still drinking on my coffee. (laughs) Sipping away. (laughs) Cindy Collier and Shirley Wolfe. I have never heard this before in my life. So let me share this one with you. So on the 14th of June in 1983, Cindy Collier and Shirley Wolfe murder a great-grandmother in her apartment. Shirley actually writes in her journal, Today, Cindy and I ran away and killed an old lady. It was lots of fun. Cheryl had known 15-year-old Cindy for less than a day when they decided that they were going to knock on various doors in um, this development area uh, in Auburn, California. The girls used uh, their, you know, kind of innocent demeanor as a point of advantage and they used it in order to try to get into the apartments of these older residents. I believe it was like, um, what do they call them, like a nursing home estate, if you like. They used tactics such as, um, can we get directions, or can I have a glass of water, or can I use your phone? A lot of the senior citizens in the apartment building were not fooled. They met the girls and they were like, well, shit, something doesn't feel right here. I'm sure if they're elderly, they're not going to say, oh, shit. But I'll be saying that when I'm older. Regardless, I'm sure (laughs) they were there going, I don't feel comfortable (laughs) with these two girls around me, and would send them on their way. However... There was one kind and helpful lady by the name of Anne Brackett, and she was an 86-year-old former seamstress, and she actually decided to invite the girls into her two-bedroom condo, unaware that, you know, it will eventually cost her her life. So she lets them in, and the girls brutally stab her to take her car. Shirley grabs uh, um, and by her throat and throws her to the floor while Cindy hands her a knife from the kitchen and they repeatedly stab her in the neck until she's dead. Before they leave, they actually ransack her apartment slash condo and they take all the money that they possibly can. They get the car keys and they, they're out of there. No one could actually believe that two teenage girls were responsible for such heinous acts. And the county sheriff's department... Um, actually interviews Shirley and she confesses within minutes and says yes we did do that and then later uh, Cindy actually confirms yeah we did do it and after that one we wanted to go find another to do we just wanted to kill someone for fun so both of them were found guilty of first degree murder both the girls received the same sentence eight years in a juvenile detention facility We've got a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old scamming their way into someone's house. Killing someone brutally, taking the person's money and car, and they're found guilty of first-degree murder, and they're only sentenced to eight years in a juvenile detention centre. Regardless, both of them played up in the detention center and they ended up having additional time added for bad behavior how much additional time i don't know 
it's negligible, right? Um, so basically, Cindy studies law in the prison. She's released in 1992. She gets married. She has four children. And uh, she gets on with her life. Shirley, however, is released in 1995. She has trouble with the law continuously and is no longer able to be found. Eight years in a juvenile detention centre. That is fucking wild. Absolutely wild for the death of somebody. The premeditation behind that, though, right? Like, they were out to find someone and they were knocking on doors randomly. I... The, the premeditation, like, and, and what in their minds thought that they're going to get away with this? I believe there was stuff in there about a bad upbringing. I, I never cover off that stuff because a lot of people have had bad upbringings and they do not resort to murder or killing someone or injuring, hurting. It doesn't matter, right? As an individual, you have the choice. If you've grown up in a bad environment, you can copy paste those actions and activities and to repeat the cycle, or you can do everything in your power to never, ever allow that to happen in your life. And you have the power. You are not sitting there in the passenger seat. You're actually in the driver's seat. You have the power to do this. That's what pisses me off the most. And that's why I never talk about, oh, she had a up, bad upbringing and this happened and that happened. No. None of that is an excuse for anything. Yes, it might be a slight amount of rationale, but you have the ability and the control, not someone else. Okay, so now we're at the 23rd of April in 2006 at 1pm, and the bodies of 42-year-old Mark Richardson and his 48-year-old wife, Deborah, were found in the basement of their home, and along with the body of their 8-year-old son, Tyler, he was discovered upstairs. Absent from the home, however, was the, the married couple's 12-year-old daughter by the name Jasmine. For a time, it you know it was feared that she'd also been a victim and maybe she was kidnapped or something similar. However, she was arrested the following day in a different community, about 130 kilometers, which I believe is 81 miles away, with her 23-year-old boyfriend. Mind you, she was 12. Yuck. Both of them were brought in. They ended up conducting interviews, um, determining that the murders were planned and committed by 12-year-old Jasmine and the 23-year-old boyfriend. And the boyfriend's changed his name. Obviously, they're not together now, but the, the boyfriend has now changed his name. However, they were convicted on the three counts of first-degree murder. Jasmine turns 13 just before she was convicted, and it said that she was the youngest convicted um, female in Canada ever of multiple first-degree murder counts. According to her friends, Jasmine had been grounded because she was dating a guy that was like 10 years her senior and the parents had said we don't want you seeing each other the age gap's just not appropriate like you're you're 12 he's 23 that doesn't sit right with us so she was grounded shortly after they were arrested the boyfriend asks her to marry him she's like 13 at this point my brain can't comprehend a 13, like someone asking me to marry them. It's like schoolyard stuff. You'd just laugh and be like, oh yeah, let's go get married under the tree. Like it's so 
bizarre. Anyway, according to friends of um, the boyfriend, <laughs> um, Jeremy, he apparently told people that he was like a 300-year-old vampire and he liked the taste of blood and he wore this like vial of blood around his neck. Uh, even at the age of 23, I wasn't that fucking delusional. Regardless, on the 8th of November in 2007, Jasmine was sentenced to the maximum allowed under law for someone her age, which is 10 years imprisonment. Keeping in mind, she assisted in killing three people and she got 10 years. So she does her sentence. She's released into a psychiatric hospital in the fall which is autumn here in 2011 and in October 2012 she was it was reported that her rehabilitation was going really well and she was showing remorse for her actions that were considered to be a you know a genuine feeling that she was sharing in May of 2016 her sentence was completed and she was freed um, of any further court ordered conditions restrictions or supervision what on earth she takes part in this killing. So worth also noting here, I've got my laptop on my lap because I actually forgot to include this in the commentary. So Jeremy actually admitted to the murder of the parents and the child to an undercover police officer while he was in custody. He was actually tried in November 2008 and he was found guilty by a jury of three accounts of first degree murder for the killing of the parents and the brother. He, on the 15th of December in 2008, was sentenced to three life sentences, one for each first-degree murder count. The sentences are to be served concurrently, and he'll be eligible for parole after serving 25 years. Um, look, I understand he was older. I understand that in this situation, he should have been that point of, you know, let's not do this as a legal adult however there's obviously other stuff going on for him to be like i'm a vampire i'm over 300 years of age no you're not you're an idiot regardless what the actual fuck and she gets away 10 years she's got a life now she's moved on it's just so messed up and what does that put into her mind like what what is the actual con like what is the thought process in her mind is it now if i don't like what I'm being told or said or whatever, directed in my way, can I now dispose of that person, get my, you know, minimum slap on the wrist and then move on with my life? Like, that's the sort of thing now that plays in my mind. Regardless, all three of these are absolutely confusing. I don't understand any of it. I don't understand how it even becomes a thought in someone's mind as a child or teenager. I was like consumed with things like Hanson, listening to that album, Middle of Nowhere on repeat. The fact that I know the name of it is scary. I was also consumed with, you know, Dawson's Creek and 90210 and I used to work at like a, a burger um, franchise and, you know, like I was just concerned with normal stuff, I think. Like I never would have thought to hurt someone or even engage in like a fight or an argument. So I just find it very, very difficult for my brain to comprehend it. I'm really interested to know what you guys actually think because it's so... It's so messed up that at these young ages, these people are actually having these thoughts and executing on those thoughts. 
what the actual hell i will leave it there for today thank you for joining me uh for this you know part two of such a terrible terrible um act or actions if you like i think that we need to ensure that the victims are kept front and center and that we are protecting those in the community who need protection in the meantime you can hit me up on my socials at aesthetic vibes pod you can drop by my website at aesthetic you can drop me an email at aesthetic vibes at outlook.com i am laughing because that is like the seventh take <laughs> Uh, me getting my outro right so <laughs> you guys know where to contact me uh, so anyway um we'll leave it there have an awesome rest of your day week whatever it might be and uh stay safe bye guys bye.